world, welcome to the second edition of Winston's Diary, the podcast that will be following the making of the comic book adaptation of George Orwell's dystopian masterpiece, 1984. This is the first and only podcast following the making of a comic book, and we're also on the website at 1984comic.com. We were first announced... Uh, we first announced the comic book during the Fifth Hope at New York City in 2004, and since then, uh, Big Brother posters have been traveling all across Oceania, and we've been in the New York Times, uh, the um, poster has been with uh, Mr. Steve Wozniak right in front of it. We have uh, pictures published in Hacker News Magazine with the poster, and uh, we've even had a shout-out in uh, 2600 Magazine. So the uh, visuals were also seen at a stage adaptation in the United States and uh, there are now Big Brother stickers circulating all over Copenhagen mysteriously. My name is Frédéric Guimont, I'm the artist who will be adapting the comic book and the host of this podcast. Now, this is very well homemade, homegrown, just like uh, pretty much every other podcast out there. This is pretty much the charm of it, I guess, is the fact that there's no intermediate, no corporate uh, suit between you and me that's telling me what to do and telling you what to listen. So, if you're listening to this podcast, well, first of all, I presume you are the... A little more tech-savvy than the average person. So you probably know already all about Big Brother. Well, you're about to learn more. Now, what are we going to talk about in this podcast? Well, first of all, if you've listened to the first podcast, you know, kudos to you because we've still got this cheap microphone and the first podcast, the sound was terrible. I'm hoping this one comes out a little better. I've actually had to... uh, amplify the sound a little bit in Audacity. Um, I'm hoping there won't be too many touch-ups on this one so we can have a smooth ride. Uh, So again, uh, here's what uh, you'll see in this podcast. We'll be covering some headlines, uh, the progress on the comic book project, and we'll talk about a little bit of uh, George Orwell, his work, his life, his legacy, and uh, we'll start the countdown to hate week starting tomorrow. I'll give you a little bit uh, of info what that's about. And uh, we'll be taking your uh, questions, feedback, and uh, you know any info you want to give us. If you want to do any promos that are uh, relevant to this podcast, you're you know you're very welcome to do so. Uh, the email is bigbrother at 1984comic.com, so just drop us a line, whether it be text or audio, um, you're very welcome to do so. Okay. Now, I've decided this is the second show, and we're already a little more structured. Uh, we're still waiting for the microphone. This is the fourth day since I've ordered a microphone from eBay. We'll see how long it takes. Uh, I've been. I received an email saying it's going to take from five to ten business days, I presume. So we're on day four right now. So if it comes in the at its earliest, it's going to be tomorrow. If not, we're going to have two more weeks of this microphone right here. This is actually uh, a microphone, uh, a LabTech AM242. If you want to go out and not buy one, 
and uh, I've actually borrowed it from my roommate because uh, the micro the other cheap microphone I had uh, I busted while trying to fix it okay so basically that's the theme of uh, of this show I guess all right now I decided to start the um, the podcasts with uh, a quote from uh, George Orwell himself now the first quote for the second Brockfast here goes a tragic situation exists precisely when virtue does not triumph but when it is still felt that man is nobler than the forces which destroy him Big Brother is watching you now I've got a great article for you today now I'm starting with one because uh, this is still the beginning of the, the podcast. We're testing out what, what works and what doesn't. So, uh, but uh, this is one coming from the um, the observer.guardian.co.uk. So, uh, the observer business section, and uh, the title of the of the article is uh, simply "Big Brother is watching you." Google not only gathers vast amounts of information of personal data, it aspires to global domination. And that's creepy, writes John Nocton on Sunday, October, uh, October 2nd, 2005. So this is straight from today. And he starts off saying, A few months ago, Bill Gates let's let slip an interesting thought about Google in an interview. It reminded him, he said, of Microsoft in its honeymoon period, i.e. the decade... 1985 to 1995. This is the first time in recorded history that Gates has dignified a competitor by actually naming it in public. Generally, he speaks only in paranoid generalities, but the Microsoft chairman knows trouble when he sees it, and Google does indeed pose a long-term threat to his profitable monopoly. And I skipped down a little, a little down the article, and uh, we get some interesting information on Google. Since its inception in 1999, Google has focused almost exclusively on providing services that are platform independent in this way. Its searches, its search engine can be accessed from any browser. Diddle Google Groups, Google Images, Google News, Frugal, Blogger, Google Mail, Google Talk, and Google Maps. A few of its offerings, notably Google Earth, Desktop Search, and Picasa, a neat program for handling organizing digital photographs, are written specifically to run under Microsoft Windows. But the most heavily used services are all independent of operating systems and hardware. The company has taken Scott McNeely's aphorism, the network is the computer, and turned it into reality. All of which is bad news for Mr. Gates, who's prosperity is based on the proposition that the platform is the computer but it is good news for the re- but is it good news for the rest of us the author says asks google's most intensively used services are accessed via the net so all data involved flows through google's servers and since these data are often fragments of intensely personal information email, web click streams, instant messages, voice over IP conversations. A single company is in a position to know more about each one of us than anyone would have thought possible even a decade ago. Consider Gmail. 
Google's web mail service. This provides two gigabytes of storage to each, subs each subscriber, enough to ensure that you never again have to delete a message. The flip side is that your messages reside forever on a Google server. What's more, Gmail is free because it is funded by advertising. Google software scans every email, identifies key phrases, and puts what it regards as relevant ads on the right-hand side of the screen. If you think that's creepy, you're right, the author says. Google's response is that the messages aren't actually read, that it's just a process akin to the one in which email messages are scanned by spam-blocking software. But that's disingenuous because the ads selected for display are logged. They have to be so that the advertisers can be billed. And those logs will inevitably reveal something of the context, if not the content of the scanned messages. Anyone who uses Gmail is therefore sacrificing a degree of privacy compared with someone who uses a conventional email service. That's why privacy and civil liberties groups have attacked Gmail on the grounds that it violates the trust of email service users, in particularly non-Gmail users who send messages to Gmail subscribers. That's right. They point out that scanning creates lower expectations of privacy in the email medium and so establishes a potentially dangerous precedent. Google's apparently unstoppable momentum is beginning to raise alarm bells across the industry that hitherto admired the company's cheeky upstart ethos and the brilliance of its technology. This, after all, was an outfit that declared in its prospectus that its motto would be Don't Do Evil. The implicit message from the co-founders, Larry Page and Ser Sergey Brin, was, we're basically good guys, you can trust us. But that was then, and this is now, when Google has evolved into a multi-billion dollar corporation with aspirations to global domination. Its corporate mission, remember, is to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. And when these guys said world, they mean it. So there you have it. And the article has some interesting facts uh, right at the end where I'll skip right now. Now, if uh, you want to find out some inform interesting information about Google, open it right now in a browser and uh, try the following out. 10 things you did not know about Google. Number one. It's a calculator. Type 25 miles in kilometers. That's 25 in numbers, miles in kilometers in words, without quotes, into the search box and see what happens. Number two, it can be manipulated to produce desired results. Try typing miserable failure and see what happens. This is called Google bombing. Number three, Google whacking is a game where you have to think of a single word which, when typed into the search box, will produce just a single hit. There's an interesting uh, show I saw last year just about Google whacking, which uh, by Dave Gorman, a humorist from, uh, from the United Kingdom. 
very very good presentation and uh, that brings us here to number four how many pages does Google index answer nobody knows Google used to publish a number under the search box when it last seen it was over 8 billion but it has stopped doing that possibly because Yahoo is now claiming to index 20 billion pages number five it does really it does really useful online maps of the UK and not just the UK the United States and Canada also go to maps.google.co.uk and you can search for restaurants churches bars or schools just by typing the appropriate term e.g. restaurants in Bedford in the so search box also if you haven't played with Google Earth yet try opening that downloading that on your uh, Windows machine if you have one and uh, typing your home address you might be surprised. And number six, Google's two co-founders are each worth about seven billion dollars each. Uh, is that each? I don't know. I'm adding that right there. I could be wrong. And they are just 32 years old. Number seven, if you use Google's webmail, the messages reside forever on a Google server. Number eight, Google's power means that it knows more about each of us than any other internet search engine. I don't think we even use the term search engine anymore. Everybody's going around saying Google it. So that brings us to number nine. Google's Gmail software scans every email, identifies key phrases, and puts what it regards as relevant ads on the right-hand side of the screen. And finally, number 10, its services such as Google Images, Google News, Frugal, Blogger, Google Mail, and Google Maps can be accessed from any browser. That's right. Okay. And even, uh, well, it's pr a program I've been playing with uh, for the past couple, past month or so, which is Google Earth, which is pretty interesting. I think still only available for Windows. They're working on Macintosh, they say, and I have no idea if they're even planning on having one for Linux, which is too bad. Big Brother is watching you. And, well, that'll be it for the headlines for today might have some more than that in the future but we're gonna try to keep it concise to not overwhelm you today we've did an hour on the first podcast we're tr gonna try to keep this to something a little more sober for the second one until we get you know get pretty get used to uh, the structure of the show now uh, on to the progress of the comic book project so what's going on right now well, we've just uploaded the feed, the uh, podcast feed on the website. Uh, and uh, news in my life right now, well, I've had to resign myself and get a real job. That's right. I've now got a day job, which hasn't happened in a couple of years. Ever since I started the project, we I first had funding 
to uh, to start working on the project, and uh, I've made it. I've had funding from uh, 2004 up until February 2005 this year. Since then, I've been living off my, you know, the project savings, and the savings have since dwindled and disappeared, which uh, goes into um, which is something that happens when you're running a project on a shoestring budget you know you get into tight situations and you have to make difficult choices I wanted to avoid getting a real day job if at all possible so I could concentrate on the project but things have been you know so hectic and there's so much more stress in not having any regular income that uh, you know it's actually hindered the project even though I have all my time theoretically, you know, you end up spending all your time worrying about, you know, stupid money problems, which is uh, pretty much ridiculous because they're not big money problems. But when you have uh, little or no income coming in, it can be a hassle. So, yeah, I'm going to be working at uh, selling tech, high and low tech from uh, the source which what you formerly called Radio Shack stores. So yeah, I'll be a salesman at the source starting uh, uh, Tuesday. So that's in two days from now. So uh, we'll see how the uh, daily aspect to the show goes. I'm already we haven't, we're not on a daily schedule. This is the second one, and there have been two days uh, since the first one. So we're just getting set up. Uh, getting used to it uh, hopefully this will be a daily if not well just too bad you know download it whenever it comes up that's the great thing about RSS feeds uh, you don't need to be continually clicking on the website to see if something came up you can check out just by looking at your aggregator and uh, well here here's a couple of things I'm working on right now uh, on the website we'll be adding a uh, uh, one-page comic that I did uh, that I did a year ago actually it's called uh, food for thought which might I'm gonna try to put it as an ad as a spoof ad on, on the website which might be interesting I might not have time to get that done today but we'll put it on the website nevertheless uh, food for thought check that out on the website full color and uh, right now I'm working on an interesting illustration which is a uh, um, basically a uh, fisheye view of Winston smoking a cigarette with the words watched right at the bottom this is going to be a new poster we're going to uh, we're going to uh, we're going to eventually print I'll make it available at PDF in black and white on the website for those of you who want to download and post put it up on their wall or uh, or whatever and uh, it's probably going to make its way to uh, the printing of the comic it's a pretty good illustration right now it's in pencil I'm going to scan it and uh, put it in ink. Uh, if I can do that up until tom from here to tomorrow, that would be great. So we'll, we'll see. There's just way too many details on that shit. I am uh, put a little mo too much time on details, I think, sometimes. Well, maybe not. What do you think? Big Brother at 1984comic.com. Let me know. So, well, that's enough uh, chatting over the project for now. I think I might cut this one really short. I just wanted to uh, to give this little bit of information. When I, I um, this week when I we went, 
I went with a friend to a, a wireless innovations conference which was organized by Bell. Uh, if you don't have Bell in your area, Bell is basically like the main phone service provider over here uh, with Simpatico, you know, they're tied in with Microsoft and um, well they gave out a little lot of information of what's coming up with Bell and uh, one of the services is called uh, uh, Ship to Save uh, basically a RFID company that uh, solves other companies problems in shipping and tracking information now it's the tracking information that interests me because um, basically uh, we've got chips that are so small right now that they can be injected okay so that means that we'll pr this is probably something that's going to creep us on creep up on us and we're never going to know about it until it's too late now the dutch have already uh i've seen the uh, on the news that the dutch have installed a system where they'll have like one major database they'll be tracking people from birth to death okay so that means like all your information in one database and of course they maintain that not everybody's going to have access to all the information they're only going to have access to the information they're supposed to yeah right okay we've seen already in the f past few years what's happened to databases okay they get ripped off they get hacked into they get stolen and uh, the information gets compromised and when we're talking about in uh, you know personal information uh, medical information that can that can get pretty freaky pretty fast so uh, they've even got cameras now uh, that can transmit uh, over the airways for up to 20 kilometers. Now that's also an interesting fact that uh, we saw firsthand at the conference. And uh, uh, after the conference was over, we actually uh, there was an actually another uh, conference right in the same building, which was uh, an employment conference for uh, sales and uh, uh, client services. And guess what? That's where I. Uh, I first applied for my job. That's how I got. Uh, that's how I'm going to start uh, working on uh, Tuesday. But uh, I was surprised to see the uh, one particular group there, which is the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, which was there uh, hiring. So I went there to ask a, a couple of questions. Apparently, what you need to be working for the Canadian Security Intelligence Agency, you need first of all. Uh, a back which is uh, wh what is considered in Quebec uh, the equivalent of a college education of course and uh, you have a multitude of tests uh, to see how what you know about uh, you know the current uh, current affairs in the world and uh, you know basically in the intelligence world I suppose and uh, what bothered me is uh, their priority right here you get right in the image you have a pic nice picture of an Indian girl with a with a cell phone and a white guy uh, sitting down next to her uh, with a laptop <laughs> pretending to fiddle with his laptop of course while he's staring at the photographer and uh, here's the list of their priorities or uh, you know on the pamphlet nevertheless anti-terrorism is number one uh, which is counter-terrorism actually counter-proliferation 
counterintelligence, security screening, research, analysis, and production. So there you have it. If you're looking for a job as an intelligence service, uh, the Canadian Security Intelligence Service are recruiting. Big Brother is watching you. So we're what? We're 27 minutes past uh, into the uh, podcast right now. Almost over. This is going to be a short one. Let me close up with uh, a few statements here. Okay. Okay, so we're, uh, yeah, I'm starting the countdown to hate week officially tomorrow. Now, what that means is um, it's going to be a six-month period until we reach April 4th, 2006. Now, April 4th is the date in which the novel starts, and I thought it was it would be a great date to officially launch the printed version of the comic book. That's right, the real printed comic is going to come out, and uh, I'm sorry to say you'll have to wait six months for it, but uh, not if you check out the website. On the website, we'll have uh, the whole making of process, and you'll be the first to see the visuals on that, but uh, be sure to stay tuned to see what's going to happen. We're going to first take you through the uh, drawing of the last chapter. We'll be adapting um, and fixing up chapters one and two so everything is, you know, top-notch, very elegant visuals for the comic, Uh, black and white, of course. But then we'll have to do the montage, um, solve, you know, uh, technical problems like printing, uh, distribution. Of course, it's going to be available on the website. But uh, there's going to be the promotion elements, of course, in that, and we'll all be covering that on the podcast, which is uh, the uh, central theme of the podcast. Basically, I forgot to mention it in the intro, but uh, this is the making of the comic, and that means everything that goes into this as an independent project. So it's not just the artistic side. We'll also be checking out the business side, um, the difficulties that come up, and uh, well, if you've listened to the first broadcast, I've bored you enough with that, so uh, we'll just leave it at that for now. Now, I want to mention that we do, if you wish to collaborate on this project, there are a couple of things we need help with. Um, we're looking for a P- I'm looking for a PHP programmer who uh, would like to give a little of his time and work on the project. Now, I've been learning PHP for a while, and I can actually do a couple of things on the website, but doing this in the comic is pretty, is going to overload me, especially since now I'm I'm getting a day job. I'm probably going to have less hours per week to work on it. So if you're a PHP programmer, you like the project, you're interested, and you want to collaborate, uh, email me, bigbrother at 1984comic.com. Just write PHP programmer on the uh, in the subject and uh, that'll get to me uh, we'll also be uh, calling out for publishers if you're a publisher out there and uh, you, you'd like to get involved with this or if you're a store owner and you'd like to get first copies of 1984 as a printed comic uh, well you can also contact us just put publisher or something like that in the subject line and again that'll get to us if you've simply got a website and you would like to link to us, we've got banners on the website, 1984comic.com. Uh, just pick up a banner, link to us, or just you know do a cold uh, text link if you want to, 
you know we'll accept everything in there uh, this helps us to get out there makes us uh, easier to be found in search engines Google among other uh, among others and uh, we'll probably check out any others who come up because we're looking for variety here we don't want to be just falling into the hands of Big Brother here that's why we're avoiding Microsoft whenever possible and we're running on a GNU Linux system which uh, brings me to my thanks uh, I'd like to thanks everyone who has all the programmers who actually collaborate on uh, GNU Linux software the makers of Audacity which is the uh, program we're using to record this uh, this show and uh, also the people at archive.org will be host hosting this uh, podcast and uh, also blogger.com in combination with FeedBurner which provide the uh, system which helps us get an XML feed out to you which is now on the website 1984comic.com so there you go I think I've said it enough uh, I'll just give the contact info one last time so that's bigbrother at 1984comic.com Big Brother is watching And check out the upcoming episodes where we'll be discussing the making of Chapter 3. So if that interests you, stay tuned, stay subscribed. And we've got a little something special for you going out. Uh, I just purchased uh, an album uh, a couple of days ago, which I thought was the soundtrack for the movie 1984. And it is officially recognized as such, but uh, is not... Uh, is not really the soundtrack. No, it's not. Uh, it's by Eurythmics, of course, but um, apparently the uh, the music Eurythmics has made was imposed upon the uh, the director of the movie, and he did not appreciate uh, this being imposed, and he went and got his own score of the movie, which is why uh, the soundtrack. Well, basically, you can't hear any of the songs on the soundtrack in the movie except one and that song is called um, Julia simply which I believe is at the end according to uh, Wikipedia here's what uh, Wikipedia says on the subject uh, okay in 1984 Virgin Films contracted the band that's Eurythmics of course to provide a soundtrack to Michael Radford's color remake film of George Orwell's 1984 Radford claimed the music was being foisted on him and refused to use Eurythmic's score, replacing it with a more conventional orchestral filler, uh, except for the song Julia, which I mentioned was just played near the end of the credits. Virgin released Eurythmic's works as the soundtrack album for 1984, it's called For the Love of Big Brother, and it spawned the hit single Sex Crime 1984 in the UK although its supposedly suggestive su title, actually taken directly from Orwell's text, resulted in many U.S. radio stations refusing to play the track. Well, that's interesting, because we're, that's, the track, that's exactly the track we're going to be playing. So, without further ado, this is Sex Crime from 19, uh, Sex Crime 1984, the rhythmic from the soundtrack.